John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 24 through 33. Hear the word of the Lord. And then they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I am a human being just like you. So they talked together and then went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for, and now tell me, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius replied, Four days ago I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon, when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. And so I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. And now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message that the Lord has given you. The word of God for you, me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, send your spirit upon these words, lest they be completely useless. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would be present in this place, in our hearts, as if Jesus himself were standing in this pulpit, preaching this message. Lord, bless this moment that you'd be glorified and your people edified. In the name of Jesus, I pray Let the church say amen. I've been preaching a series on the gospel according to blank since Lent began. I've been looking at different people that can share the gospel because we're called to share the gospel. I looked at the first person ever a couple of weeks ago that shared that Jesus was the Messiah, the woman at the well in a little town, a Samaritan town, as Jesus went to that place, Jacob's well. And he met that woman, and she went back to her hometown and said, come and see, come and see a man that told me everything about my life. And she was really the first evangelist that Jesus was Messiah. Last week I preached on the first person to ever see Jesus risen. Her name was Mary of Magdala. Jesus had cast out seven demons from her, but she was the last at the cross, the first at the empty tomb. She went back and told the apostles, come and see, I've seen him alive. That's really the work of evangelism, isn't it? For all of us who are disciples of Jesus, to say to people, come and see. Let me show you Jesus. Jeff's children's message, as usual, was spot on to tell us we're to be 
seen as those imitating Christ Jesus so that people can see him. Come and see. Today we're going to focus on the first person who was not Jewish. He's the reason you're here today. The first one that came to Christ outside of the Jewish faith. He believed the gospel and then he went and shared the gospel with his friends and his relatives and his acquaintances and his neighbors. I'm not making that up. Jeremy just read that. Those are the friends I've been talking about for months. F-R-A-N. Your friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors. This man called them to his house and invited Peter to come and he shared the gospel. Who was this man? His name is Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion from Caesarea, a town named for Caesar. We're going to focus on him today. He was a professional military man, an officer, over a garrison of a hundred men. His military station was Caesarea, but the Bible says he was from the Italian regiment. So I, I believe, I'm presuming, he was from Italy, which means he loved spaghetti and meatballs as much as I do. Amen for spaghetti and meatballs. Cornelius was a God-fearing man. Unlike most of the Romans, he believed in only one God. He was a very generous man, a man known to be in prayer three times a day. People knew his reputation. One day he had a vision of an angel. The angel told him to go and find Simon Peter down in the city of Joppa. The next day, I want you to hear this, the next day at noon, Peter has a vision. He's on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house in Joppa, which is today, you will know the place as Hoffa, or the place where Tel Aviv has engulfed it, and it's now part of greater Tel Aviv. But biblically, we know this town. I know this town. I think you know this town. This is the place where Jonah ran in order to get away from the Lord. This town is on the seacoast, the Mediterranean Sea. And when Jonah was told to go and preach repentance to the Assyrians, whom he hated, and he had good reason because they had captured and oppressed the Jewish people, Jonah ran the other way because he knew God would forgive them of their sins if they would repent. So Jonah ran to this little town. This is the town where Peter is. And at this point, Peter has never preached to the Gentiles. And Peter himself really does not like the Romans. They've oppressed the Jewish people. Peter has seen what the Romans could do to his own people, and Peter has a problem, and he's dealing with it internally. And if it weren't for this vision, I don't know that Peter would ever get to the point where he could actually share the gospel 
with people that were his enemies. So the Lord gives Peter a vision at noon, just a day or so after the vision Cornelius has. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 10. Peter saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. That vision of the sheet coming down with these animals puzzled Peter. He had the vision three times, so it was confirmed by the Lord. But it puzzled Peter. Why? Because it violated Jewish kosher food laws. You are not allowed to eat these animals. And yet here is a voice telling Peter, Get up, kill, and eat these unclean, unkosher animals. What does that mean? Peter figured it out. It means that God was telling Peter that what, what man calls unclean, God no longer does. He's saying to Peter, Peter, I want the gospel to go to everyone, not just to my people Israel, but to the whole world. Peter got that. The day before, the centurion at 3 p.m., we're told, he had a, a visit by an angel that told him to go to Joppa, find Peter. So the centurion sends two slaves and a soldier as emissaries, and they go to Peter, and they tell Peter about this vision. They don't know, but Peter understood. And so Peter goes all the way back to where to where Cornelius is where he's gathered all of his friends his relatives acquaintances his neighbors and Peter understands and he says to them God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean in other words God has shown me that the salvation of grace of God is for every single person on the earth not just the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Peter goes to Cornelius and he shares the gospel. Jeff's been teaching our kids the gospel all year to get them to memorize certain words. But y'all know it because I've been teaching it since I've been here from the Lord's Supper. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. That's the gospel in ten words. If you look at the book of Acts... It says this, while Peter was still speaking these words to the people that had gathered in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit came upon all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers, these are the Jewish people that believed in Jesus as the Messiah. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had fallen upon these Gentiles. For they heard them speak in tongues, which is exactly what had happened not long before on the day of Pentecost, but only to the Jews. And they were praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized because they've received the Holy Spirit just like we did. This is the Gentile Pentecost. And so Peter orders that they be baptized. 
I want to ask you some questions. What could you learn about evangelism from Cornelius and Peter? Number one, it takes humility to realize that God is already at work all around us and can use you to share the gospel. Yes, as your pastor, I'm telling you, not only can God use you, you are plan A, and there is no plan B. You are called to share the gospel. So you need to know how to do it. Cornelius and Peter both had to humble themselves and see that God is not a respecter of persons. God wants everyone. Well, here's what the scripture says, 1 Timothy 2. For this is good and acceptable and sought of God our Savior, who desires all men to be what? Saved. And to come to knowledge of the truth, which is the only way to be saved. You can't be saved if you don't come to the knowledge of the truth. And who is truth? Jesus. For there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You see, Cornelius and Peter both had supernatural visions for them to get over their own prejudices. Does God still do that? Does God still give people dreams and visions? Oh, yes. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you three stories that have recently happened where people have had dreams and visions of Jesus that have changed their life. But first, let me finish with what we all learned from Cornelius about evangelism. Secondly, we ought to learn this. Don't, don't be quick to judge people, but trust God's leading. Don't be quick to judge people, but trust God's leading leading when when peter heard the words that a roman centurion wanted him to come and share the gospel how do you think he took that peter before the vision would have said there's no way i'm going to go share the gospel with these gentiles we can't even associate with them we can't even sit at the same table and have a meal with them we can't even speak to them how am i going to go and share the gospel with them but peter realized he was excluding people from hearing the gospel when God wanted everyone to hear the gospel and have a chance to receive Christ. Peter needed to trust God's leading. Can I say to you that when you're praying for someone that you want to share the gospel with, trust God's leading. God will lead you to the right time with the right words at the right moment and you can share the gospel with people, with Peter, just like Peter did. You can do that. Third thing we ought to learn, the gospel is for everyone, and anyone is our mission field. John Wesley said that the world is our parish. That's true. That means anyone is our mission field. Anyone, and usually that means the person right next door to you. Your friends, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbors. You're probably not going to get a chance to share the gospel in Liberia. However, you did. This week I took a check from you. Well, y'all didn't sign the check. The treasurer signed the check. But, but, but it was from you. Over $6,000 to meet a commitment we made to our brothers and sisters in Liberia, Reverend Dr. James Lavala, who leads the seminary there and a school his wife leads. And we have made a commitment to help them with their food security initiative so they can raise food for themselves and not depend on China for their rice. 
So they've been raising their own food, and that feeds the people that go to seminary that will go out and spread the gospel in Liberia. Do you remember a few years ago we finished a project of raising over $70,000 and sent to them to renovate seven buildings on their campuses so they could go and train people that need to learn because education is the key to success in Liberia and America. Well, I digress from my sermon. I would imagine at this point, Cameron's wondering, where am I going? Does God still reach people with dreams and visions? A couple years ago, I read a headline in an article, and I never forgot it. I went back and looked at it again this week. Here's the headline, March 17, so St. Patrick's Day, 2017. Muslims turning to Christ in great numbers through dreams and visions. I've read lots of articles lately in the same theme. There's a phenomenon happening right now in this world that the Lord is appearing to people in dreams and visions. It's always happened. You just don't hear about it a lot lately. But I want to share three stories with you. One is Abu Radwan, a Muslim man, a Syrian refugee who fled to Lebanon because of the war in Syria. He had a dream, a vision of Jesus coming to him, speaking to him, and he accepted Christ, and he and his whole family were baptized. An amazing testimony. There's also another story of the conversion of a former ISIS fighter who said he had a dream of a man in white telling him, quote, you are killing my people. And the Muslim man had been given a Bible by a Christian who he murdered. Before that Christian was murdered, he offered that Muslim man his Bible. And that Muslim man began to read that Bible. And in a dream, he heard Jesus invite him to be one of his followers. That ISIS fighter became a fighter for Jesus, not not in a violent way, but to take the gospel to his own people. Last story. It's one of the most amazing stories. You can read about it in a book entitled Defying Jihad. Let me repeat the title. Defying Jihad. It's about a Pakistani woman, a teenager. She planned to be a suicide bomber. She was ready to go, and she was going to kill any Jews or Christians she could. And yet she was converted through a dream. In the book, she is called Esther to protect her identity because if people knew who she was, she'd be a target to be killed. When Esther went home to tell her parents that she volunteered to go on jihad her parents were happy to hear the news that their teenage daughter was going to kill jews and christians for the glory of allah esther said her parents told her that everyone is going to die someday and the way that she would die should be considered a privilege and a glory to allah but about two days before esther was set to go on this suicide mission she had a dream she was in a dark graveyard 
this dream came after she had already spent early morning hours in prayer as a Muslim. She fell asleep. Here's what Esther wrote in her book, quote, I was in a graveyard. Everywhere was darkness. I was looking for a way out of the darkness. As I was looking to come out from the graveyard, I saw a light appear. And the light has arms, hands, and a face. And I asked, is this a man made of light? I've never seen a man made of light. If it's an angel, there should be wings behind it, but there are no wings, just a man made of light. Esther said as she wrote her book that she called out to the man, the light man, she called him. And this man said to her, called her by name, Esther, come and follow me. However, Esther told the man that she didn't want to follow. And at that point, the light man called out, Esther, come and follow me. She again refused, and for a third time, the man of light said, My daughter, come and follow me. And Esther wrote this. It was like he had a connection with my thoughts. He started to talk, and as he started to walk, all the bushes and stones were moved off the path. I saw the light he made on the path, and I started to follow the path. He stopped at one grave, and he said to someone who was dead, Come out, and the person came out, and I said, who are you that gives life to dead people? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Esther wrote, these words I've never heard in all my life. And I said, please help me to come out from the darkness of this graveyard. From this dream, Esther became converted as a teenage girl. Instead of being a suicide bomber, she became a believer and witness to her friends and relatives at great risk to her life. Esther had a dream that completely changed her life. That's not the usual way of evangelism. Do you know what the usual way is? You. You sharing the gospel with other people. That's the normal way. Christian radio, television, churches across the world. That's the usual way. As D.L. Niles, the great missionary, once said in defining evangelism, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's your job. You are plan A. There's really not a B. You're called to share the gospel. Don't depend on people having dreams and visions, but God does these things, and they're miraculous. And you hear the testimony of these people and you realize that God's at work all around you. We're living in a time when Christians are suffering for their faith, for their faith, particularly in countries dominated by Islam and Allah, the false god. People often react by preaching fear and hatred of the Muslim world. That is so wrong. God loves them. Jesus died for them as he died for you. We're called to share the gospel, even with our enemies, as Peter did with the Roman centurion. We're called to share the gospel no matter what. The Apostle Paul reminds us as I end this message that we are to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, that's persecution, and be constant in prayer. I've been praying for you as the church I have the blessing to serve. You know what I've been praying? 
I've been praying for revival. I know what revival looks like. A real revival, not a fake one. A real revival means that you would have on your heart and mind such a passion for the lost that would bring you to tears. That you would be in prayer for the lost. That's what a revival looks like. A revival means that you would be convicted of your sin and repent and strive toward holiness. That's what a revival looks like. I've been praying for that. I hope this message today hits your heart that God is at work around us when people that live across the world have dreams and visions and see Jesus. That should inspire you to share the gospel with your neighbor next door. That's my call to you from, from a centurion, a Roman officer. That man shared the gospel with his friends. That was the beginning of the Gentile church. That's why we're here today. You're called to share the gospel. Jesus is calling you. Christ is counting on you. And I hope you're counting on Christ. Let's pray. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.